Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello there, and welcome to a brand new Arseblog, Arsecast right here on Arseblog.com. I hope you're well. This is the very first Arsecast of 2015. That's right, the first Arsecast of the new year, which of course got off to such a wonderful start at Southampton and... Well, look, hopefully it's not a case of start as you mean to go on for Arsenal. Because, look, we we did pick it up a little bit when we played Hull. So uh, we, we, we've changed. The year is just getting better and better. So maybe if it grows exponentially... We'll win 4-0 on Sunday, 8-0 in our next game, and so on and so on until we cruise the league with the greatest goal difference anybody has ever seen. No, I don't don't think that's going to happen, really. But all you can do is hope. Isn't that right? Because what can you do in this life other than hope and dream that things that are completely out of your control will go your way and bring you some small measure of happiness? Have you made any New Year's resolutions? You know, people do that in January. With the best of intentions, they're going to drink less, exercise more, be kinder to people. Doesn't last very long, but I've made some. I've made some resolutions that I feel are going to get me through the entire year. Because you know, there's, there's no point doing things half-heartedly. No point doing things for a week. Will I go and join a gym and pay them hundreds of pounds so I can go three times in January and maybe twice in February, then once in March, then twice in April out of guilt because I've I've wasted the money, and then nonce at all in June, July, August, September, maybe in October you might go, or November because you could say I'll go to the gym in November and I'll make room for Christmas. I'll I'll do some exercise, and but no. I haven't done anything like that, but I have made some resolutions. The first one is to eat fewer grapes, which I believe I can I can match last year's total of grapes, uh, which was probably about 60, I would say. That's just an estimate, but, you know, just off the top of my head, I'd say I ate 60 grapes. And this year, I'm, I'm definitely going to eat fewer than that. The other one is uh, to digest things faster. I don't quite know why I want to do that, but I, you know, you gotta you gotta try something new, don't you? So that that's that's one of my aims. The next one is to be less irritated by people in cars when I am also in a car. So when I'm driving along, to be more calm, less crotchety. But it's very difficult because today I was driving into town and there was this person driving in front of me who 
A, didn't know what traffic lights were for. B, had no idea what indicating meant. And C, was a complete fucking cunt who I wanted to ram off the road and all I could do was just shout at them from inside my own car. And of course, they couldn't hear me because they were, they were an 85-year-old woman who's probably deaf as a post. So I think I, I need to work on that one a little bit. And my final resolution for 2015 is to be less aghast at things. I find myself often aghast at things that happen around me. The world is a weird and strange and often depressing and difficult place. And I find myself looking at things or reading news and and I'm just aghast. And I feel like that's wasted energy because I can't do anything about any of those things. So the options are to, like, not read the newspaper or watch the news or listen to the radio and find out what's going on, which in one way is quite, quite tempting. The whole ostrich thing, just bury your head in the sand. But, you know, it's hard not to know or not to find out what's happening and what's going on. So the only thing I can do is to try and be a bit more zen, a bit more calm, and just be, you know, less aghast. Like uh, when our defensive problems cost us a goal. I think I've been aghast enough at that, so I should be less aghast. Or when we go through the whole month of January and in the end all we do in the transfer market is sign that 17-year-old Polish lad. So it's not healthy to be overly aghast. So that's my final New Year's resolution for 2015. I hope whatever you've decided to do uh, serves you well throughout the year. If you haven't done anything yet, It's not too late. You don't have to just do it on January 1st. You can still make a difference to your own life by by achieving an arbitrary, um, probably ridiculous goal. And maybe your resolution is just not to do any resolutions, in which case you are a champion already. This year is going great for you. Congratulations. So look, from an Arsenal point of view, this has been a pretty quiet week because we beat Hull. Uh, deservedly, I think, because uh, we scored more goals than them, we had more shots than them, we played better than them, even if we didn't play as well as we might. And um, after all the hecticness, hecticosity, the busyness of the Christmas period, we've had like almost a week off and nobody's been going mental about anything, really, which is good. Uh, Because, you know, we lurch from not mental to mental very quickly these days. We do, of course, have a game on Sunday against Stoke. How nice it is to be playing them so soon, after the last time, which was one of those moments where I was aghast. And I'm hoping to be less aghast on Sunday, regardless of the result, but more because I want us to to obviously beat them. But we've got them on Sunday, so a little bit later on, in the show, we will uh, we'll take a look at the uh, the team news, possibly if there is any, or or just uh, basically preview the game because it's so much fun always to play against Stoke. Oh, the other thing, of course, that went on this week was uh, was the Chesney stuff. Wojciech Chesney, who was um, left out of the FA Cup game against Hull, he was always going to be left out of that game. But then the stories emerged that he'd been smoking in the showers. I mean, you, I wonder, to be honest, about this story. Because maybe he is a bit cocky. Maybe his self-confidence rubs people up the wrong way. And in general, I don't think those are, are bad qualities for a goalkeeper to have. 
but he doesn't strike me as somebody who is stupid, right? Chesney. He's not stupid. We've had some stupid, stupid players down the years, and he doesn't strike me as a stupid person. So the idea that after the game against Southampton, in the dressing room, when the manager's probably pissed off with him anyway because of the performance that he put in, which wasn't great, let's face it, uh, that he would then smoke in full view of the manager and the coaching staff, that's hugely disrespectful. And also really fucking stupid. So maybe, with absolutely no pun intended here, the smoking story is something of a, a smoke screen for something else that went on. Now, I don't know this at all. I'm just postulating that perhaps a more rational explanation might be a different kind of bust-up. Maybe a row with a teammate, maybe a row with a coach or something like that. But smoking in the shower, in the dressing room, in front of everyone, I don't think you'd do that. I don't, you know, you'd want to be off your box to do that, and I don't think he's off his box. The question is, though, should he come back into the team uh, for Sunday? And I think probably yes. I think perhaps the reaction to all this has been overblown. He hasn't had his best season. Last season, he was very good, I thought. But last season, he played behind a very solid back four. Every week, he had Sanya, Mertesak, or Kishelny, and it was either one of Gibbs or uh, Monreal at left back. There was a consistency to the back four, which made the defense better, which made the goalkeeper more assured, which made his performances better. This time around, you've got Mertesacker with no great form at all. Koscielny's tendons keep him out of the team. We've got either Chambers at centre-half, Monreal at centre-half, Debussy at centre-half. No right-back for most of the season. Uh, no senior right-back anyway. Uh, Monreal and Gibbs sort of uh, mixing it up there between left-back and, and centre-half. So it hasn't been ideal situation. Now, I'm not saying he's uh, he's played brilliantly or anything like that, uh, but he's had some good games, and I don't think he's had as many bad moments as people suggest. In the wake of the uh, the Southampton game, uh, and I know there are always extremes on the internet, people saying, he should be sold, he should be shot in the foot, he should be brought out and killed, all kinds of things. But the basic uh, feeling was that, you know, he, he was terrible, a really bad, bad goalkeeper, and we should get rid of him. I find that kind of hard to, uh, to get my head around. I don't think it's an impossible position to improve on, but when you think back to some of the players we've had in the past, in the not-too-recent past, you know, we all know what a terrible goalkeeper looks like, and I don't think Chesney is that. Maybe he's not as good as he thinks he is, and maybe he's not as good as we would like him to be. You know, the potential that's there hasn't really developed as well as it should have. But he's still only 24. And uh, I don't think we've seen enough yet of David Ospina to suggest that he's ready for a game against Stoke. It's not like he's a grizzled 32-year-old who's been around the block. He's only 25 or 26 as well. Uh, and he's only played two and a half games for us. So I don't know how anybody can say, uh, based on those performances, that he's ready for a game against Stoke. And Chesney was very good against West Ham. So maybe what happened in the dressing room will preclude his selection for Sunday. Maybe it was more serious than smoking. 
Maybe that's what the issue is. And, you know, if that's the case, the team selection might tell us something on Sunday. If Ospina plays, if Martinez is on the bench, then we know there's some serious punishment going down. But as it stands, I think Chesney is our best goalkeeper and best suited for a game against Stoke. And as such, I think he should start. So that's it. As for his dad, well, slow news day when Wojciech Chesney's dad is the one who's making all the headlines. The guy who said in the interview, I haven't spoken to my son, but... And, of course, everybody repeats the rah, rah, rah. Maybe he has got a point about the um, the defense in general. It hasn't been great, the defending. But what good does he think he's going to do his son with a tirade like that where he names specific players and, and uh, lampoons them, basically? What does he think that's going to do for his son's Arsenal career and the relationship that he might have with his teammates? His dad obviously is a bit mad, as we know, because he did once punch Roberto Mancini in the head during a game. Now, look, I don't have any issue with anybody punching anybody in the head during a game of football. It's all part of the sport. But I, I'm not sure that it will really have done Wojciech any good. Bit counterproductive there. And you remember last year that his dad uh, had some comments to make about Arsene Wenger. Um, said some things, and Chesney actually released a statement via the Arsenal website and said, yeah, look, you know, my dad can say what he wants, but it's nothing to do with me. So I think we might be in another one of those positions. But look, I've waffled enough. I've waffled enough. Um, This week's podcast, because there's very little going on in general, and, uh, you know, it's not like we've loads of games to discuss or or serious issues, um, I thought we might do something uh, to take a look behind the scenes at something everybody probably knows, that if you're online and you're not aware of Arsenal Fan TV, then uh, I'm not quite sure what you're doing in terms of Arsenal, because it's everywhere. Arsenal Fan TV, you've got the videos, the Twitter, uh, the Facebook, the YouTube, there's Vines, there's uh, people and characters and interviews and all kinds of stuff on there. But how did it begin? Why did it begin? How much work does it take to get all those videos uploaded after every game, home and away, even through uh, pre-season? With me to discuss that and to tell the story of Arsenal Fan TV, I'm delighted to welcome the main man behind it. It's Robbie. Hi there. Hi, it's a pleasure to be on. Um, Right, look. Uh, you have become iconic, I guess, in the online world because of the stuff that you're doing with, with Arsenal Fan TV. How, how did that start? Where did the idea come from? I mean, were you one of the first club-specific TV channels that, that were using YouTube to create this content? Yeah, um, I think there were other channels, you know, that did things about their club. Um, but we were sort of the first channel to sort of start doing fan interviews um, after games home and away, and you know, we d- d- the whole sort of concept sort of came about in that I just really wanted to give ordinary fans a voice. I mean, after every game, you always hear all the views of all the pundits and you know, you ex players and so called experts and that, but you never hear from the, the ordinary fans who sometimes spent their hard-earned, well, not sometimes, all the time, mm. spent their hard-earned money to go up and down the country following their um, club that they love, um, that will be there through thick and thin, whether the club's doing good, whether the club's doing bad. And we never ever sort of, apart from actually mediums like your mediums and, you know, Twitter and that, but we never really, in on film, yeah. I hear from those people. And we just wanted to, like give them a voice because you know, you know, you, you, you know, you go down a pub after a game and some of the views from the fans is brilliant. You know what I mean? Some, <laughs> of the, some of the analysis and that is brilliant. You don't always agree with it all. 
Sure. But it's their point of view. And I, I just wanted to produce something that could give that an outlet. And, and that was how Arsenal Fan TV came about. Mm. I mean, did you have any background in, in producing video or anything like that? Because, you know, from a, from a, a, the point of view, from my point of view, like as a, as a blogger, as somebody who writes, you know, I, I'd always mm. written and I had a journalism thing and uh, the podcast, you know, I had a sort of a radio background, which, which made it easy for me to do those things. But to then sort of say, right, okay, we've got to go and get a camera. We've got to get someone to hold the camera, microphones. We've got mm. to sit down and learn how to edit all this stuff. Was that something you knew how to do anyway or or was that as you went along uh, you just kind of picked it up i had no clue (laughs) (laughs) and um but luckily um a friend of um mine is is also a partner um he he knew about film i I actually how it sort of came about is i went to see him and i said listen i want to start this thing and um i know that you do websites that's why i sort of went to see him about and Mm. um he said, oh, actually, I can do filming as well. I said, oh, I didn't know because I dealt with him a couple of years um, previously. I said, I didn't know you did filming. He said, yeah. And that's sort of how the filming expertise came about. He had that expertise um, in filming. Um, and I don't know, it was just, honestly, I didn't know that he was. He, he knew the filming part. And I, I hadn't even worked out yet how I was going to get the filming part to it, but I just knew that it was something I wanted to do. I personally have had a um, a little bit of a background in in um, performing, you know, shall we say? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know that helped me out. I also used to do a little radio show years ago on BBC. So you know, what I mean, so I, I, I had a little experience in presenting. Yeah. Um, and because of sort of my background in 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 sort of music, um, I wasn't sort of scared to you know, go and stick a mic in front of somebody's face. And, you know, back in the day when we was doing it, you know, not everybody wanted to talk, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd step up to somebody and say, do you want to say something about the game, mate? And they'd tell you where to go. You know, but I think um, we we just persisted and we knew that we had to be consistent. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's just grown and grown. Do you remember the first one? What was the first game you did? And, you know, like I was going to say, was there initially, because it doesn't seem like it now, um, mm. you know, you're a, you're a fairly recognizable guy. Uh, yeah. So I imagine that after the games, you know, people kind of flock around. But initially, I remember actually you cornering me at the uh, the Tottenham <laughs> <laughs> for one yeah. game. And I was like, oh, nah, God, no, I don't know. Okay, but you talked me into it. And it was probably the couple of bourbons I'd had before the game as well. But, uh, but you know, how was it at first? Because I'd say it was because it was such a new thing, you know, yeah. that that people maybe were a bit resistant. Yeah, I mean, at first, to be honest, people were never really overly resistant. Mm. You did have a few people at first who were like, "What do you want?" You know, you know, especially <laughs> you know, it's just after a game, you know, and it maybe ain't gone too good, and they'd be like, "What do you want?" Well, oh, listen, man, I don't want to talk to you. Go away, sort of thing. You did get a few of those to begin with, but on the whole, I'd say you know, people were more than willing to, you know, say, they'd be, I'd just be like, they, they'd be a bit surprised at first because, as you said, they'd be unsure of what was the whole reason behind it. But we just say, listen, we're just here to try and give fans a platform. Mm. And then people would say their piece. And then I think when people actually saw the videos actually coming out and online and they saw the, the quality of production and everything, then they sort of say, oh, actually, it's, it's okay, you know, and, you know, it's, they haven't censored us, you know, and they haven't, you know, so I think people, um, once they saw all that, were more willing to speak. Yeah. 
Yeah, so look, take me through a typical day um, that you, uh, we've got a match, you're going to the match, you go home and away, yeah. so um, I suppose, you know, there's just the, the the travel might be the one thing, but from a work point of view, what does that entail and how much does it take post-game to get all the videos together? Oh, the, the tra- well, the traveling is <laughs> it's always an issue, you know. Um, yeah. I mean, for, let me just say first and foremost, because I love Arsenal and I'm an Arsenal fan and I love football and I love Arsenal, it makes it a lot easier. Um, so, you know, things like the travel and that, you know, I don't mind. Um, so, we, we, you know, we'll set out, we'll go to a game. On the way to the game, we'll do a little um, what we call a road trip show where we sort of uh, ask for people's predictions and that. Um, and then once we get to the game, we'll normally do um, a few videos where we, if, if it's sometimes we'll ask, try and get hold of a few away fans to ask them what they think, or we'll try and get hold of some of our fans and discuss, discuss topics. Like, so for instance, this week before the game, we were talking to fans about Podolski leaving. Um, then we watched the game. Um, we might do well before that. We, you know, we mingle with the fans and that, and we watch the game. Then, as soon as the game's finished, now um, we'll be outside the ground and we'll get fan reactions. Uh, once we've got all of the fan reactions, we then will be editing and um, stuff like that in the car as we were on our way home. Wow! And uh, yeah, and then after that, we could get we we make sure because what we try to do is get videos up as quickly as we possibly can. So, you know, we will not go to sleep until the last video is up. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's away in Newcastle or at the Emirates. So it it can be a very long day. I mean, uh, long after everybody's gone home and watched Match of the Day or whatever, we're still working. So it's, it's a lot of hard work, but um, it's very rewarding. I think because we, you know, we love Arsenal um, we love what we're doing. That makes it. That always makes it a lot easier. As I'm sure you, yeah. you testify on your on your um, um, uh, website as well. So yeah, I mean, absolutely. Because you know, otherwise, it'd be very difficult to motivate yourself to put that that level of work in. You know, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. but but you know, for for a lot of people, there's the 90 minutes, and there's the the pregame and the postgame and the socialising and and with their mm-hmm. mates. And what you guys are doing, obviously, is sacrificing that well i mean you're working and obviously you've chosen yeah. to do this work and it's you know it's something you really enjoy doing but is yeah. there a party some days that would just go after again i'd fucking murder a pint <laughs> <laughs> sometimes um sometimes we might go in the pub after the game and um whilst we're editing have a little sneaky pint but to be honest um we try not to do too much of that because uh We've got to kind of stay focused on getting the videos out. So we have had to sort of sacrifice that part, um, which is a shame because it's a nice part of going to football, but um, it's got to be done because we have to get that. We have to get the videos up as quick for for the videos to be effective. um, They need to be up whilst everybody's still talking about the game. So, Um, and we've found little methods, little secret methods that we've got of getting videos up very, very quickly. Um, and we get videos. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Up now, very quickly. Um, back in the day when we first started, it used to be a nightmare sometimes. I, I, um, I could be up after just a home game till like 6 in the morning doing videos. All late. Really? Yeah, Fuck. I could be up until that time. Um, I could be sometimes. I used to be up until about four, then go back to go to sleep for about two hours, and wake up again because other videos are taking so long to process, etc. Because there, there is a there is a, um, a system to mm. doing videos where it's not as straightforward as what people think. Where you know, as soon as you've done the video, bang, it's straight up. You, you know, it's got to be edited, processed. And it all takes time. Um, yeah. But we have managed to get that time down a lot by using a lot of methods and tricks and that that we sort of learned along the way. And yeah, experience so we, helps. Yeah, we're getting videos up faster than we ever done before. Mm. But remember, when we first started doing it, I'll tell you, I used to have some very very late nights you know so well that is de- that's <laughs> dedication to the cause man really is. yeah uh, it, it, i love <laughs> don't see that part that is the part that people don't see and that is the hardest part of it because the game's long gone and mm. everything's finished and you know and you're still there you know but if you want it to if you want it to be good you want it to be effective you've got to put the work in and yeah no, I know exactly what you mean because, yeah. you know, uh, at the end of the day, what you're doing and what I'm doing really is providing a whole heap of content for free to people, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. and um, if you're going to do that, you've got to you've got to make sure that it's right and it's proper and it's uh, it's as good as it can be. And w- when we talk about sacrifices and, and uh, you're working through games, which, which I do and which you do, mm. there are upsides as well because um, I remember when we were in New York in the summer. Yeah, we had our book launch over there, and our, uh, it had been mayhem in O'Hanlon's. And you walked into the pub. Yeah, it was incredible. <laughs> and, and but I could see people going, "There's, there's the Arsenal fan TV guy. <laughs> that, that's him. That's Robbie." Um, so you know, there are upsides to the yeah, whole I mean, thing was... because it, it does, it does bring you. Um, you know, obviously, the more you produce, the more people will see it. The more of an audience yeah. you have, and and it does provide opportunities as well. It's, it's been incredible. I mean, like when we when we was in New York, the response that we had from the fans over there in, in America was absolutely incredible, and it kind of opened my eyes to to realize how you know how much reach we get, um, the amount of views we. I mean, we've had now over forty two million views um, on YouTube in in just over two years, which is wow. incredible. We get we, we we get every month we do over three million views, um, you know. So it's and the numbers are growing and growing. So that is it's all you know it's all nice, but I just try to not focus on that part. I'm, I'm still just trying to with me and, and my partners here, just trying to concentrate on just 
improving what we do and not getting carried away with, you know, somebody stopping you at a game and saying, oh, can I can have a selfie and that. that's all <laughs> nice. It's lovely. It's nice. But I really want to just keep growing this thing and just improving it and just, you know, learning and just make it better and better. And that's what we've really been working hard on doing. Mm. And, and obviously now that things on the pitch, maybe off the pitch as well, are a little more contentious. Yeah. Um, how you, as somebody who's been doing this for a while, it's about three years now, a little over? <clears throat> just over two years. Over two uh, years, is that all? Yeah. Wow, I yeah, thought it was long. over two years. So you, I mean, have obviously, you're interviewing some people with very diverse views, shall we say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, have you had to learn how to be a moderator as much as an interviewer? In a way, oh, yeah. <laughs> especially this season. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, it's really. Again, it's a difficult one because um, what we want to be on Arsenal Fan TV is we want to be an honest channel. All right, so mm-hmm. we want to be honest. So if it's going great, we will show. We will reflect that. We will reflect however the fans feel. So during the summer, when we um, just you know in May when we won the FA Cup, we had like we must have done over that weekend. Um, up to 60-odd videos, and they were all happy, and fans, you know, it was brilliant. Sure. However, this season now, where things have not been going as good, and there's been a bit of um, infighting with the fans, etc., you know, some of our videos have sort of reflected that. And I know that some fans have been a bit upset that, you know, our videos have made people see that there is a bit of a split, for instance, between some fans... But if we're being honest, that's how it is at the moment. So we have to show it how it is. We don't try and mock anything up. We don't try and deliberately um, set people up to say certain things. We don't try to trick people into saying things. All we do is we'll just ask people, what did you think of the game? What's your opinion? Mm. And listen, my opinion and your opinion are going to be different. Somebody's going to – and at the moment, you know, you've got some fans – they want Arsene Wenger out. You've got other fans that are 100% behind Arsene Wenger. And that's just how it is. It's how it is at the moment, you know. Um, I'm hoping that we can get to a stage where we're talking about success. But at the moment, if we're an honest channel, that is sort of how fans are. And sometimes, you know, what, what, what I try to do is I just try to be... I do try to be a bit of a moderator. I do try to also put a bit of perspective on it. You, you do sometimes have to play a bit of devil's advocate. If somebody's, <laughs> uh, um, if somebody's criticizing something, you do have to try, you know, sometimes try and balance it if you can. Um, and there has been a lot of that this season, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you need, you could really, for, for example, you can't really single out Arsenal Fan TV as the cause or suggest that that might be the cause of the split in the fan base because there it's There are clearly, some people who do say that. Well, well <laughs> yeah, there are people who say all kinds of stuff online yeah. and little of it makes sense, you know. But yeah. I think what, what happens is with, what, with what you do, for, for me, when I write my blog, I've got, the next morning i'm doing it the next day so i've had time yeah. to to think on on what That's happened and 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 sleep on it and get up and and try and keep my head a little bit but mm. you've got people right in the heat of the moment and yeah, i guess easy. that leads to because when you when you just come out of a a match and you're 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 super happy that'll be reflected in in what you say but obviously if you're frustrated and you're seeing the same problems yeah. time and time again that's also going to be reflected 
Yeah, and that, that is true. You know, um, we do interview fans as soon as they've come out. So sometimes, yes, you're right. You know, emotions, either on both sides of the scale, um, sometimes fans can come out and we, you know, we've had a, a good victory and it's, oh, we're going to win the title. <laughs> the very next week that fan comes out, it's a bad loss. They want Wenger out, you know. So you do get a bit of that. But I think that most fans actually, um, they, you know, they do have, they think a lot about, you know, I, I, if, you, if you watch a lot of our interviews, um, fans are so knowledgeable. They really do know a lot of them what they're, you know, what the game, you know, what the game is and what they're talking about, mm. and they're just giving their opinions. Um, but yes, you're right. We do catch them as they just come out. So, you know, I mean, I know me myself sometimes when I've just come out of a ground and I'm like, oh gosh, <laughs> I mean, what the fuck and- was that? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in a nutshell. <laughs> but uh, look, you're doing other stuff as well now, though. You're kind of doing more, a little bit more um, non-match day content. So some kind of discussion panels and those kind of things. I mean, is that yeah. is that something that's going to continue? Have you got other other plans, other ideas? Oh, yeah. We, we're looking to do more and more stuff. Um, we've got, as you said, we've got the things like the Big Arsenal discussion, which is which is. Um, really really good where you have a panel of fans and you know they they take a a a, a really mature look at arsenal and you know dissect things and that and that that's been going really really well we've also got we do things like at the moment we're doing a program called transfer daily um i did it in the summer Mm. and i'm doing it at the moment in january and basically what we do on this program is we take a look at all of the transfer rumors um and we dissect them and I hope we, you got a big we, fucking knife for that, man. <laughs> yeah. uh, we dissect them and we take a look at them, and you know we kind of sort of, it's sort of we we if so, if we think a rumor is ridiculous, we'll say it on this program. We'll be like, uh, but we'll report the rumor. So, like for instance, today there was a rumor out that um, Isco yeah. could be coming to could be coming to Arsenal. We report that, you know, you know, I, I did kind of poo-poo it on the show and said, you know, I can't see in a million years how that would happen. And the source of that is very unreliable. But we'll take a look at all of those. Um, the program's like an interactive program mm. where fans can get involved because um, like a live Google. Oh, so, oh right. Yeah, cool. so, yeah, so are they popular? Because obviously we find on, on our blog that around transfer uh, transfer deadline day or in the transfer windows that there's, there's sort of an increase in traffic. Even if people are very much aware yeah. that most of the stories out there are complete horseshit, there's yeah. still this this desire. And obviously what, what's happening at the moment, people want us to buy players that yeah. feeds this desire. I mean, are they popular shows? They're very popular shows. I mean, the shows so far is of, of – We've been getting like twenty five thousand views per day for these shows, and they're rising, um, and they're very popular. Um, and lots of people watch it live as well. And you know, we get so many comments. You know, on on shows, they'll be averaging over one thousand comments per show. Um, and it's just fans basically, you know, saying who they think we should get, whether mm. they think the rumors a good one. And I think it's kind of good because what it does is um, with the show is instead of having to search all over the the net to see the rumors, you can just watch this show and we sort of break all the rumors down. So um, not that I've ever got last year when I did it um, in January, um, <laughs> you know, 
I don't try to be uh, an ITK because you just can't second-guess Arsene Wenger. And as I said last year, when I did the show in January, nobody upon nobody knew that we were going to sign King Kalstrom. So, yeah. you know, but we just have a look at the rumours. And, you know, we've got loads of other ideas and shows um, in the pipeline. And, you know, we're just hoping to, to grow and just to keep growing and just provide a good platform for, for Arsenal fans. Well, look, now that, now that uh, you've spent most of the season interviewing people, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here. So we are, we are in January. Um, what, would you, what would you like Arsene Wenger to do realistically? What would you like him to do? And, and secondly, what, what are you expecting him to do, given that you just said you can't second-guess him? But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to ask you to anyway. All right, what I'd like him to do is um, what he should really have done in the summer, in my opinion, which was buy a, a world-class defensive midfielder and buy um, a backup um, defend, defender. I think those two positions are essential. We've suffered this season because we haven't had the backup in defence. So I look at it and I think there's players out there like Winston Reid at West Ham who I know he's not a world-class defender or anything, but I think he'd be a very good defender for Arsenal. You know, he's got Premier League experience. He's not going to cost a lot of money in January. So even if you bought him in and he didn't quite work out, you know, you haven't, you know, spent millions upon millions on him. So I think somebody like that would be would be a very good addition. And I think we definitely need um, a defensive midfielder. It's one of the positions, I think, for the past couple of years that every Arsenal fan, including myself, has been crying out for, go and get somebody who's really, really good in that position. I mean, I've seen in the past couple of games, Francis Coquelin come in. Mm. And he's done a great job because he's just been dynamic and he's just, you know, and I'm like, if we get an upgrade on that, we could go places. Yeah, something um, like Coquelin, but just better. Yeah, like Coquelin, but world-class, or Coquelin, but very, very good, you know, going towards world-class. And I, I look at it out there and I think there's players like Cavallio, um, this player's like Schneiderlin, who I think would be absolutely, he's out of all of them, I think he'd be perfect for Arsenal right now. Mm. I know it would be quite expensive, but sometimes you've got to pay a bit extra for what you need. And if, if it's, I, I think somebody like Schneiderlin, if he came in, he'd be able to play in the Champions League. You know, he, he'd be able to adapt immediately to, to Arsenal. He's French. There'd be no communication problem. He'd be absolutely perfect. And I'm sure if they made the right sort of offer, you know, you, you see with City at the moment that they're able to go and get Wilfred Boney, who's like, you know, you you wouldn't think that you'd be able to get a player like that away from a club at this stage of the season, especially as the club's doing well. But if you, you're going to have to pay a bit over the odds, but it's worth it in the long run. And I'd love us to get Schneidlin. Um, what Arsene Wenger will actually get is another matter. I just get I get a feeling that Arsene Wenger um, might buy a player that can do both jobs. Yeah. So I get the feeling that, uh, I mean, I saw us being linked with this uh, Loic Perrin who plays for Saint-Etienne and he can play um, defensive, he can play centre-back, he can play defensive midfielder, he can cover right back. And I look at it. And I think, yeah, that sounds like the sort of signing Arsenal would make in January because Swiss Army season. knife player. Sorry, a Swiss Army knife player. <laughs> yes, yes, a Swiss Army knife player. I mean, last season it 
was Kalstrom the season before in January it was Monreal so I don't think he's going to go out there and buy loads of players I think it might only be one player who can do more than one job because I think how he's looking on it is that I've got all these injured players that are coming back and I think Arsene Wenger is a, a manager that tries to stay very loyal to players mm. And, you know, even like in the case of um, Flamini and Arteta, it's sort of like their last year, their last year of their contract. So I don't think he's going to want to, he's not going to want to move on none of them now. So I don't know, I just get the feeling it's going to be more a sort of covering player rather than the Cavani's and all these massive names we hear about, I think there's no chance of those, to be no, honest. I don't think so either. And I think, you know, there's kind of a, there's also that thing, well, you can't really get the player that you want in January, you know, because they're all playing well, for their big clubs. But That's true. But how are City able to get bony is that sometimes you've got to, you've got to offer a bit more money. I, I, I don't see why Arsenal, if they didn't go in there with a big enough offer, wouldn't be able to get a player like Schneidlin. Yeah. It would cost probably about, five million more than what it would if you was buying him in the summer but it's worth it i think i've got five million lying around here somewhere man uh, you know <laughs> right look um we'll leave it there but thank you for your time and the best of luck with everything continued success with it all and uh, i hope the hard work pays off for you no i really appreciate it. i just want to say you know and i'm not just saying this to to just swell your head or anything but you know what um sites like your sites were inspiration for us when we were setting up as well you know so you know i really appreciate what you guys have done and i know that you've been doing it for a long time as well i remember when i interviewed you you know and there's a lot of respect due to to guys like you and and other sites that have, have been doing this for long before we even came about you know so i i recognize in in what we do is how hard it is and how hard it is to be consistent so congratulations to you as well thank you man we both found a little niche so we'll we'll keep it up yeah <laughs> Thank you very much. Top man is Robbie. You can find Arsenal Fan TV at arsenalfantv.com or on their YouTube channel, Arsenal Fan TV. And no doubt you've seen some of the videos. And look, some people like it. Some people don't. Some people like Arsplug. Some people don't. That's the great thing. There's choice out there. You can choose to watch or to read or not. It's entirely up to you. But, you know, when you uh, when you hear about the uh, the amount of work that goes into uh, to producing that content for free for people, I think you got to respect that. And, you know, we, we live in a world where, where people love to, to criticise. Don't criticise my friends. Criticise my ideas. Don't criticise my Alexander O'Neill and Criticize. That brings me back to my DJing days. When I first started DJing back in the 1980s, pirate radio, cycling halfway up a mountain here in Dublin to broadcast to the city five days a week doing that in the summer. Boxes of records. Not easy when you're cycling up a mountain either. Oh, I was so young back then as well. It's because it was ages ago, I know, but... You know, I'm having a wistful moment here. Don't worry, I'm not aghast. I'm just a little bit wistful.
So look, um, there isn't any team news at this point, and it's um, it's it's coming up on late on Thursday evening, and there hasn't been any team news. So I'm just going to assume that it's all good. Nobody else is dead or maimed or injured, and that maybe maybe we might get Mesut Ozil. Could he play against Stoke? Could he be on the bench? We'll see. Who else is there that could come back? Ramsey, maybe. Flamini. Eh, I'm not so pushed about that one. I think the cock has been doing a pretty good job, so I'm happy to give the cock another thrust into Stoke. And uh, apart from that, I don't think there's going to be anybody. Arteta's going to be out for a while. And um, who else? Uh, Wilshire, of course. Oh, Giroud will be back because he's not suspended for being a stupid idiot anymore. That's good. And I don't know about Danny Welbeck. So basically... I don't know anything about the team that might play on, on Sunday, but I'm hopeful there might be some good news, and I think we really do need to get some revenge for the um, for the game that happened in Stoke a few weeks back, because we owe them one for that. Could have been a lot worse. A lot worse. But we, we owe them, so, um, so let's hope we can do that. And of course, the transfer window is open. I was going to do a whole thing on, on transfers and stuff, but, you know, let's... Uh, Let's bide our time on that one because, you know, you know, nothing's happening and maybe something will happen by this time next week. We will have an Arsecast Extra for you on Monday. Myself and James will look back at the game against Stoke and, and all the incidents that might have arisen from that. So join us then. In the meantime, have yourselves a, a great weekend, whatever you're doing, sorting out your resolutions, all that kind of stuff. We'll uh, keep fingers crossed for three points. Talk to you on Monday and, of course, on next week's Arsecast. Uh, so until then, cheers. Bye-bye. The following is an audio representation of the transfer window from an Arsenal point of view. Who? Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.